When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Welcome to episode five of MKT to the Future, a marketing futurism podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dan Zimmerman, CEO and founder of Verse Gaming. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you, Chris. It's uh, it's, it's great to be here. I'm happy, I'm excited. Yeah. So, Dan, we go we go back a little bit. Our time at Syracuse. Do you wanna do you wanna talk a little bit about how we met? Definitely. Yeah. So. Um, I feel like some people will, you know, know this story and, 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 you know, people that are, we both still talk to, but Barstool Cues, uh, you know, what we thought at the time was going to be as big or as small as we made it has become something that was a big part of our lives. And, and so Chris, you and I, of course, met, it was what our, my sophomore year, and that was your first year on campus, right? Yep. Transfer. So that was our first, the first round of, you know, uh, I guess a little bit of background of Barstool Cues. Um, Barstool Sports, of course, uh, had a affiliate account that they uh, sort of installed at different schools. And, and I was lucky enough to be one of the first guys on the team at Syracuse, uh, along with Ben DiGiulio, a good friend of Chris and I's. So um, after that happened, um, Ben and I got started, and, and when the, the, the role started to expand, we, we needed a Chris Parsons, <laughs> and we found one. Uh, so, yeah, I remember you, your interview. I, I don't know if it came before or after Manzione when he iced us in for his interview. Um, but, yeah, interviewing kids in college for Barstool for a position that had absolutely paid nothing but what we called clout, you know, that was a – a hilarious uh, outing, but we're glad we're glad you stumbled in there. Yeah, um, I don't know if we were big enough to call it a pirate ship, but maybe like a pirate skiff or something smaller. Definitely a lot of personalities in there. But just to set the stage for people, though, on your kind of social pedigree, could you talk about the actual numbers of what you grew Barstool Cues into? Because you started earlier than I did and you really set the ground for that definitely yeah so so when I joined Ben DiGiulio we mentioned was running as a you know one-man show and my background was uh in video editing and uh my roommate David Rosen roommate at the time and still um he also was big into video editing so we were thinking we come on Barstool Sports, their whole thing is making fun videos that people like. We come on, add some original content, really. Uh, maybe just maybe put ourselves in front of the camera one day. And uh, that's really how it got started. But once we realized just how strong the Barstool Sports brand was in New York, especially on, you know, in upstate New York where we were, uh, it was clear that combined with the fandom of Syracuse was going to be a very exciting and fertile market. So when I got started, there was about 1,700 followers on the Instagram, about 3,000 on the Twitter, and uh, those were the two things that we had. Um, and so I primarily got to work on the Instagram as Twitter was, was not a big hit. But uh, by the time, Chris, when you joined, we had gone from, as I said, 2K to about 
15k through the summer and then that's like we wanted to bring more people on so we knew we had our hands on on something and ben and i set up some phases um you know the final phase being one where we're producing original content you know almost like a talk show style so uh, it grew over the years to 45k by the time i graduated in december of 2020 or 2019 i should say uh, and now just recently eclipsed 50K on Instagram. Um, the Twitter now runs at, I think, 17,000. Uh, we launched a Snapchat, which gained about four or 5,000 uh, followers and a TikTok, which I don't even know what that stands at, but that was my final project. My, my departing project was building us a TikTok back, back when TikTok was skeptically if it was gonna be the next big thing or not. You know, now it clearly is. So I'm trying to just uh, peek behind the curtain. I'm trying to set the groundwork because any startup you hear about, it's not one, sometimes it's one catalyzing moment, but it's a lot of influences that come together. So let's take a step back from Syracuse. I, when I went to Syracuse, I was from an hour down the road in Rochester. You came from someplace very far away in London, England. And that, that comes in to your verse sports betting work. What, what was it about London that kind of opened your eyes into sports betting? Yeah, so my, my dad was, was uh, work, he's worked for the, the military or the government his whole life. So I was born in Texas, lived in Oklahoma City and Charlotte as a kid and moved to London after my, when I was 15 years old. So uh, I went to this fancy pantsy American school in London that I did not luckily have to pay for. Um, because the embassy actually set it up, but uh, this school, this school shaped me in some like in a way. High school shapes everyone, but to go from a public school and relatively normal life in Charlotte, North Carolina, after having moved a couple times, to living with like Saudi royalty as my classmates at this American school um, was was a crazy experience. And and when I got to England, I was able to peek into what it was like to you know live in a crazy multicultural international hub of a city but also uh, to, to be to sort of hang out with people that money was not a not an issue to and that's sort of was my biggest exposure to betting was people was kids in high school having money to burn um and, and the way that they would spend money whether that was at the pub or at the betting shop or you know on their phones uh it was clear to me that it, it was just sort of another thing you did it was another vice it didn't feel any worse than drinking a beer as an 18 year old which in london wasn't even illegal <laughs> so um that sort of got me thinking about just a society where betting's normal and i didn't think of that as so valuable until you know of course what i'm into now uh it, it's it's becomes very valuable so i guess now is the right time to ask what is verse so uh verse gaming is the startup that i uh started while i was still in school um as my time with barstool cues was winding down as a senior i actually graduated a semester early and had been working with a launch pad on campus that's funded by TechStars and, and blackstone um amazingly resourced amazing asset that the school has um, on this, this startup concept of Verse. And, and what Verse is, is, is the, what we're building is the first social platform built for peer-to-peer -peer betting. And really what we like to say is we're replacing the like button with a vote. So whether you want to put your money where your mouth is with real money against a friend, 
or just participate in a social conversation about what you think is going to happen in the next election, Monday night football, whatever, you know, a social marketplace that allows you to really voice that opinion and, and, and cut out the fodder that is social media uh, noise. So that's a vision that came from, as I mentioned, my time in London, but also uh, on Syracuse's campus and seeing how things spread, how virality works, how we were able to create it in a vacuum, and how we were able to sometimes, you remember the excitement of when it got sent up to headquarters and reposted on the main page. And of course, our numbers went from tens of thousands of views to hundreds of thousands of views. I mean, when I saw that this game can be played, I realized um, that there were some shortcomings that I thought people people may want. And especially with the, you know, the hatred we saw in, in just social discourse over the last couple of years, um, a, a platform that lets you, and, and, you know, in conjunction with legislation and of betting, a platform that lets you bet your friends casually, uh, as you many already do, just seemed logical to me. So I, I was very fortunate on the Super Bowl. I was, uh, you let me on to the beta and <laughs> I was able to, well, one, I placed a successful bet with your co-founder, David, who also did the Barstool stuff with us. Yeah. Um, and then I think I sent one accidentally to your dad, who was also a D Zimmerman, but that's neither here nor there. I had a blast, and I had a blast with it. Just the idea of being able to scroll through and uh, challenge your friend. But walk the listener through. Say they were granted access to your test peer to peer betting. What does that actually look like if you want to bet on an NBA game tonight? Yeah. So what it looks like is, you know, a traditional betting experience means you're, you're placing a bet with a bookie or a sports book. You're risking money. And if you win, you get that back. Right. Um, the way those bookies work and the way the casinos work is the way the lines set and the odds uh, are done. So by the casino to ensure that more people lose than win. It's just it's just math uh, on their end. And, and so where verse differs is you want to go place a, a bet. Um, but you want to place it, you know, uh, directly against someone else, whether that's a guy in the room with you, your friend, you know, an, at another school, or even just a random stranger that's also looking to bet on that game, but doesn't agree with you. So what that looks like is you, you use our platform, you go to the game, you can choose to bet on the spread, the money line, prop bets, uh, whatever you want. And uh, you can send that bet you so you can turn that into a link and text it to someone. You can send it on the app to their profile uh, or you can send it out to the whole network where everyone is, uh, can see. So uh, we really want to give users control of their betting and, and really don't care about ensuring a profitability for the house because we are not the house. Every bet on the platform is peer to peer, as we say. So uh, we take our cut in the form of a subscription fee if you really like our service and want to keep coming back or a small a small fee off off the top of a winning uh which will amount to way less than the your your bets that pile up as losses from the house manipulating those odds the way the way i kind of look at it is that you know this fall this is loosely a marketing podcast i'm pretty liberal with the people i have on here but (laughs) In the marketing world this fall, at least around the water cooler, was the Social Dilemma documentary really blew stuff up and it made people question kind of the work they were doing online. There's something about Verse that when you use it, it feels like 
Facebook in the early days when you were poking kids that you bumped into in the hallways in sixth grade. Is that a wrong assumption that there's something wholesome about betting online? Yeah, and it's more than just betting. It's about, uh, we, you know, we, we really put an emphasis on voting and, and, and polling. And, and, and what we, you know, a, a really important thing about Verse is because what you're doing is, whether with real money or not, your account, you're going to verify your identity, right? That means no bots. And that's something that we've really seen just pollute the internet these days is bots on social media, bots on Instagram, bots on Facebook. Nothing, you can't count on anyone's follower accounts being real anymore. That's something that Verse cuts out. So this is going to be true social dialogue uh, from real people. And if you really believe in something so passionately, uh, take the checkbook out. But you don't have to, of course. But that's so, uh, we do feel like we're doing something different, something that Facebook uh, did. Uh, and obviously, they're sort of the, the, the mother of all social medias. And, and we differ in our own way. But uh, I think providing that network effect of each user on provides more value back to everybody uh, not to get all Stalin like, uh, but you know that that network effect is something that uh, really is what helps apps succeed uh, and sort of learn to breathe by themselves, and that's what we're hoping to achieve. So then, on on the traditional end, I encourage everybody to check out your social handles, especially Instagram. I don't know if you're on YouTube, but uh, Twitter as well. You have a really unique way of taking ownership of your promotion. And I think it's a great case study for the people listening to this, trying to do best practice marketing. What, what are you trying to do with your marketing? And can you talk about some of the specific pillars you have? Absolutely. Um, so a little bit of a timeline is important with what we do for marketing as well, because as you mentioned, we have a beta available now. Uh, that beta will come into a live product that 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 will uh, exit beta and be joinable uh, for anyone. That's that's looking at mid-April. Um, so our iOS app is our real priority uh, because that is going to be a, a very refined product with all the features we'd like coming out this summer. Uh, so we find ourselves spending all of our marketing time uh, doing two main goals: either educating our current user base on why verse is unique and worth your time to use and also establishing and the second thing is establishing an underbelly of people that are interested in the space loosely that we try to provide content value to so there are a lot of sports betting pages out there that provide highlights or, or, or odds and and we don't think we're going to be the first delivery news source for anybody but building you know what we can with a interactive community that feels comfortable um, participating in, in the conversations we try to put out is a goal of ours, but really adding that hype and intrigue over when our full product launch will be. And that's just something, you know, over the next couple of years, uh, users will have to work with us on as we navigate the waters of state by state, you know, uh, operation in, in some cases. But all of that is sort of an open book at this point and, and building that base uh, so that when we turn our real product loose, uh, we're really, you know, have people uh, waiting for it. We've been running waitlist advertisements and uh, Kevin Durant signed up for our, our waitlist, which we're excited about. Um, he does have his own firm. We're, so we're trying to flip that into a meeting, but uh, you know, that's a big thing in startup spaces now as well as a, a waitlist. So check that out as well. It's impressive because with the waitlist and such an interactive model, it feels like 
once you get people on there, you gamify your capital goals. You know, you get them on there and they start participating and it's that network effect that once you see how fun it is, it's hard not to believe in the concept. What you're doing with marketing, it's no secret that over the past two years, everyone has become some sort of expert in sports betting because the amount of money going into it has caused a ton of chatter. What are all these traditional players with the money uh, doing to hit the market and how are how are you differentiating from that? Absolutely. So this, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to shit on some of the, the, the people in the space here, but, but this is more coming from uh, what I've had to learn from trying to, to build the startup. And as we raise money is, you know, what are you going to use the money for and how are you going to turn that into users? And I, I think, you know, anyone in this, anyone who's ever watched live sports in the last two years has seen a DraftKings or FanDuel commercial, maybe 25 of them in a single commercial break uh, if you live in a couple certain states. And what the, what the industry is, is doing is really throwing money at an unbelievable amount of, of, of TV uh, ads. Even the Joe Rogan podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. I mean, it's, they're penetrating everywhere with massive amounts of capital expenditure on their marketing. And me as a startup with, you know, effectively no capital, you know, limited capital as we go about, uh, you know, uh, our, our business, we can't just come to the VCs and say, look, we want to spend money on a bunch of Facebook and Instagram ads, because that is sort of uh, the one way ticket of spending marketing money these days. And what we're really excited about is Influencer marketing has been the most effective way to use social media for, for some time now, but our product is unique because we are going to allow two influencers to compete in our advertisement, providing value back to both of their networks because it's going to be in a department of interest for their niche. So if we have Adam Lefko and Pat McAfee versing each other on the game this Sunday, there's value added in both of them and both of their fan bases seeing that interaction. So we differentiate ourselves in that because we don't think we're going to be asking a whole lot from our, our sponsorships and our partnerships. Instead, it's going to be a fun way to really challenge each other. And, and with that being said, it doesn't have to be influencer versus influencer. Uh, influencer versus you is also something we want to do. So uh, you take Shaquille O'Neal, he'd probably be an expensive sponsorship, but if, uh, if he tweeted out a link and says, I'm so confident the Lakers are going to win tonight, the first 10 people uh, to click this link will lock in a verse with me for a hundred bucks. You know, we're going to see those go quicker than an NBA top shot drop. And <laughs> we're going to, and we, get, we should talk about that a little bit, Chris, if, if you'd like, because um, I have some strong opinions on that. But, um, you know, that's, that's what we're, that's our, our hope is, is really opening up the marketing in a way that uh, doesn't bore a potential user and instead say, oh, these guys are using that. That's, there's true value in that. Let me check it out. Yeah, so the question that every tech company is getting right now, uh, what, is, what is your blockchain strategy? I hope that's what you were getting at with the question. Well, so, so I like to joke, um, and it is a true, true statement that uh, David and I are, you know, the co-founder and me, we took every class uh, at Syracuse, every blockchain class Syracuse had to offer, uh, which, is, which is true. Uh, there was just only one, and we took it. Um, <laughs> so, 
uh, doing that was uh, was fun. But blockchain and cryptocurrency has been a passion of both me and David's uh, for a while. And we did intend to build the first version of Verse using a, a private blockchain because the technology of smart contracts is just very uh, clearly, uh, the use case is clear for Verse. Um, however, the scarcity of blockchain developers and the high premium uh, makes it sort of dissuasive to do from the start. So it's something we'll look at in the future. Uh, it's not necessary for the first version. But what I really wanted to sort of mention was that NBA Top Shot is uh, going to come crashing down real soon. And I can give the educated reason why, and I can give you the quick, passionately uh, aggressive summary. Um, but I'm, it's something I'm certain of. Let's hear either one because you're a peer-to-peer -peer expert now and that's clearly a peer-to-peer -peer market. So let's hear what you have to think. All right. So there, for, for anyone who's, who hasn't dove into what exactly NBA Top Shot is, it's a private black blockchain product licensed by the NBA, built by Dapper Labs. And what it is, is it replaces what you would have referred to as a sports card market where you can buy and sell a, a player card a physical item um, and instead replaces it with moments and highlights uh, from the NBA season. And it's not just a single printing of this video. It's they'll print 30 versions of the common, uh, no, they'll print 150 versions of a common highlight. The same highlight, they'll print 50 versions of a rare and they'll print uh, 20 versions of a, a luxury. And it's all the same fucking highlight. And it's like Joel Embiid hitting a layup against the, the Nuggets. And it's like, this doesn't have any value, right? But because they're creating this scarcity and NFTs are all the rage right now, we're seeing people sign up for these drops where now they're having to own moments to even participate in drops. We're just seeing this bubble build on itself. Someone spent $250,000 on a LeBron James dunk. And good luck finding someone to buy that for more. Because once this all comes down and the everyone, you know, realizes that they're not in it because there's value in it, they're in it because they want to make a quick buck too. And that's what bubbles are. Uh, so it's there are many, many practical and solid uses of NFT technology that we're going to see here coming up, a lot of them in the medical field. But this is not one of them, uh, nor is Jake Paul Pokemon cards or even Patrick Mahomes releasing Museum of Mahomes, an NFT art collection of him playing fucking football. <laughs> like, it's, just... uh, it feels like Beanie Babies. I mean, I only vaguely remember that. We were both pretty young. You know, moving beyond Beanie Babies, Stan, <laughs> I, think, I think we're at the point where we have, you've done a good job explaining what the peer-to-peer -peer model looks like for Verse. Mm -hmm. Final question for everybody, futurism exercise, 15 years down the road for you as the founder of Verse, what does the company with its peer-to-peer -peer model look like? Yeah, and my, my hope for, for that and, and my plan with Verse from the beginning has always been for it to be, you know, Verse Gaming in 15 years and for it to be you know, a company that, that, that has penetrated the market and is now sort of the de facto way of, of casually betting someone. I mean, by then, uh, I can't wait to see what's legal in 15 years, but I, I'm certain uh, that all the states will have gotten on board with uh, the, the betting side. So uh, really in 15 years, I don't, I see Verse as being a problem solver 
uh, for a lot of the casual things that sports and fantasy fans like to do that, uh, you know, now. So whether that's creating a March Madness pool, I don't know how many texts or emails you've gotten today saying Venmo this for the password, et cetera. The verse is going to take care of that for everybody. Your profile is going to be your center for your fantasy sports, your, your March Madness, your betting. Uh, you know, we'll probably have then brought in a, a, a casino style partner to allow you to make parlays. I mean, we're going to be the one stop shop uh, for, for your your profile in your gaming uh, sphere. I, I think esports is something that we're really uh, passionate about, uh, you know, sending that quick invite from your phone. Uh, to match on Xbox Live and, and, and actually compete for money. I mean, you can think of there's sort of endless possibilities. Plug your fantasy league in and, and bet your friends on if you're going to win your fantasy game this week. So I think Verse is going to be that tool that, that, that connects the different apps on your in your sports folder. Uh, that's really what we want to do is, is put them all into one. Uh, and, and I think that's what you'll see is, is uh, the, the vision is, is that that profile based game. Uh, is going to become a social media like everything else is now. I love that idea of a digital hub for your sports. Yeah. So, Dan, thank you again for joining me and talking through this uh, pretty far out concept that you're working on. Absolutely. It's awesome to, to join and I'm sure it won't be the last uh, recorded call between us. Definitely. Stay tuned and subscribe for future episodes of MKT to the Future. And a future episode with Dan when uh, when things continue to take off reverse. We get to have great conversations about what's coming down the pike with people cutting the edge in media and marketing combined.